0: Well, good morning. Yeah, so the kids don't listen to me. You'd think I'd be used to that by now, right? And uh, we welcomed into our world uh, our third grandchild on Thursday. So, uh, yeah, I didn't do anything, so don't clap for me. Um, But it'll just be one more child that won't listen to me. But um, like I said, I'm used to that. I was, I was going to begin with a question today. You guys know that I like to begin with questions. I like to ask a lot of questions because questions make us think. But I was a little hesitant to ask this question because the answer may have been kind of revealing for some of you. I was going to ask, who remembers the telegraph? Yeah, see, now if I would have asked that question and your hand would have gone up, That would have said, you've been around for a really long time, right? Because the telegraph is old technology. It was back in the early 1900s when that was actually the fastest mode of communication known to man. Obviously, technology has made incredible advances since then, and I'm guessing that the telegraph is no longer used. Some of you may not even know what the telegraph is. For those of you who don't, the telegraph is a series of dots and dashes that correspond to letters of the alphabet. So these coded messages, and and that's what these were, is coded messages, they needed to be translated by telegraph operators. Who knew the code? Of course, it was Morse code. Well, way back in that day, there was a young man that answered an ad in a newspaper for a telegraph operator. And he went to the office address in the ad, and he walked into what was a busy telegraph office, a lot of people moving around, a lot of noise, and of course, the sound of the telegraph clicking in the background. Well, there was a sign on the reception desk that instructed all the job applicants to fill out a form and have a seat, and they were supposed to wait for further instructions. They were to wait to be summoned into this inner office. So this young man walks in, he fills out the form, and he has a seat with seven other job applicants. Well, after a few minutes, the young man gets up, walks across the room, and enters that inner office. Now, naturally, the other applicants, they began to set up and wonder, what is going on here? Because they didn't hear anyone call anyone into that inner office. And what they figured is that this guy that just went in there He just made a really big mistake. But a few minutes later, the employer came out with the young man and said to the other applicants, gentlemen, thank you for coming, but the job has just been filled. Now, the other applicants, they're like, they can't figure this out. One of them says, that's not fair, right? Yeah. I mean, he was the last to show up, and we didn't even get a chance to interview for this job. To which the employer replied, I'm sorry, but the whole time you've been sitting there, the telegraph has been ticking out a message. And the message was, if you hear this message and understand it, walk right in, the job is yours. This man heard it, he understood it, the job is his. So here's my question, how well do we listen Are we attentive to what's going on around us? Do we listen to others? You know, I once worked with a guy who was convinced that he could say anything to anyone. It was all in how he said it. And I witnessed him say some really bizarre things to a lot of people, and the striking thing was there was typically no reaction. As a matter of fact, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, at one point, he he grew really tired of all the the usual pleasantries that he exchanged at White House receptions, and he decided to find out if anyone was listening to what he was saying. So at the next event, he greeted others by shaking their hands and saying, I murdered my mother-in-law this morning. To which most people said, oh, isn't that wonderful and very nice to meet you, Mr. President. There was one diplomat who leaned in and whispered, you know, I'm sure she had it coming. But the question, honestly, is how well do we listen? Because it is important to listen to what's going on around us. But friends, there is something that is even more important that we would all do well to listen to. In fact, our eternal lives depend on it. And that is the voice of God. Friends, the God of creation, the God of the cosmos, has chosen to reveal himself to us. He speaks to us. How does he do that? Well, he does it in a number of ways, but one of the most important is through Scripture, through the Bible. You know, we here at Hope Church believe firmly that the Bible is the inerrant word from God, it is without error. And in it we find everything we need for godly living and salvation. Matter of fact, Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 2 that God has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge, knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So we, friends, should be seeking to grow in our knowledge of God. In fact, and we've said this many times before, that should be our goal in this life, is to grow in the grace and the knowledge of God and in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, we must listen. We must listen to what God says, to what he's teaching us. We can't just treat it like some background noise that we either ignore or choose not to understand. No, we must listen, listen intently. And that is exactly what we've been trying to do in our study of Proverbs. So our series for this summer is entitled Wisdom for Today, because we know that these words that we find written by Solomon are truly wisdom from God himself, written for our benefit today, helping us to grow in our knowledge and in our wisdom of God. And, y'all knew this was coming, so I'm assuming you're ready. It all begins with the fear of the Lord, right? Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Next time I'm not even going to put that slide in there. Make you guys do it by yourselves. But it all begins with the fear of the Lord. We grow in our knowledge of God when we come to understand who God is. Who God is and our relationship to Him. The unfathomable King of kings and Lord of lords. That is who He is and we are His creation. And when we come to terms with that, we will stand in awe and give him all of the reverence, the glory that he deserves. Well, today, we are going to meet, through God's word, wisdom personified. Wisdom personified. We will meet Lady Wisdom. And she is going to speak to us And she's going to lead us down the path of righteousness, down that path of wisdom that we want to stay on. And we need to listen, listen to what Lady Wisdom has to say, because she will describe for us the incredible blessings of wisdom. So our scripture is found in Proverbs chapter 8, we're going to look at. The whole chapter, verses 1 through 36. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8. Solomon begins there at verse 1 and says, Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud. Now, if you've been with us throughout this series, this may sound a little bit familiar. Because quite honestly, we did meet Lady Wisdom back in week two. If you remember from Proverbs chapter one, Solomon wrote, Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On the top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. Sounds kind of repetitious, right? What do we know about repetition? We need that, right? We need to hear things over and over and over again in order for us to internalize them. We learn by rote. We learn by repetition. And the point that Lady Wisdom and Solomon is making here is that this occurs in the most public of places. Wisdom is not hidden. It's out there in the open. Lady Wisdom cries out to all who will listen, everyone. We just need to listen and pay attention. And then the following verses go on to describe the goodness that wisdom promises. And now Lady Wisdom is speaking. In verse 4, she says, To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. For my lips detest wickedness. And all the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. So again, we see that this appeal is to all mankind, as she says in verse 4. Everyone. Wisdom is there for all who will seek it. It says the simple and the foolish. The simple and the foolish. It's not too late for them. The simple man that we described in chapter 7, if we were with us a couple of weeks ago, even he's not a lost cause. There's still a chance. We can all learn the ways of wisdom and benefit from them. And not only does, does Lady Wisdom give us that hope, but she speaks the truth. She speaks the truth. She's always right. You know, if you knew someone that was always right wouldn't you listen to him and don't turn and look at your spouse but if you knew someone who was always right wouldn't you listen to them do we need truth and honesty in our world today is it easy to find goodness me no do we find it anywhere in advertising dare I say politics Friends, deception is all around us. It is because Satan is a liar and he is the father of all lies. But we can trust in the words of wisdom that are written in this book, the word of God. It's always right. It speaks truth. And the instruction and the knowledge found within, oh, far more precious than silver or gold. Far more precious than anything you could possibly desire. And we see Lady Wisdom then go on to describe herself. In verses 12 through 21, we see really what wisdom has and what wisdom gives. In verse 12, she says, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. Prudence, prudence. Basically, prudence is self-control. Prudence is good judgment. Prudence is making good Choices acting in accordance with the knowledge and wisdom from God. Remember, knowledge is good, right? But wisdom allows us to apply that knowledge to our actions. With godly knowledge and wisdom, the Holy Spirit will guide us through life. He'll help us to make good choices. He will keep us on the path of wisdom. Verse 13 says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. So here we are, fearing the Lord again, right? So when we, when we truly fear the Lord, in other words, we give Him the awe and the reverence that He deserves, our thoughts will tend to align with God's. And we will begin to hate the things that God hates. Evil, pride, coarse talk. The more we fear God, the more we hate evil. In verse 14 and following, it says, counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight, I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles all who rule the earth. So what, what we see here is that, that wisdom offers the same kind of wisdom, the same kind of insight, the same kind of sound judgment to everyone. It's, it's the kind of power and discretion that allows kings and rulers to govern justly. And then in verse 17, she says, I love those who hate... I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. So the one who loves and pursues wisdom, will be rewarded. It says they will be blessed. And we want to understand what it means to be blessed. That doesn't necessarily mean that we will be blessed with worldly wealth. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But we will be blessed with fruit that is better than gold, better than silver. We'll walk in the way of righteousness. We'll love justice We'll walk according to the path of wisdom. We will be avoiding the path of foolishness. But understand that this isn't something that just happens. Wisdom doesn't just fall into our lap. No, we must seek diligently for wisdom. Seek diligently through the disciplines through prayer, through study, through meditation, through corporate worship. See, if we do our part here, Lady Wisdom says, if we we seek earnestly, if we do our part, God will do his part. He will reveal himself to us in amazing ways by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we see in verses 22 through 31, Lady Wisdom speaks to her long, her long history, goes all the way back to the beginning of time and before. And, and there has been some controversy about these verses because the question that people have asked over the years is, who is speaking here? Because some, some people think it's actually the Son of God speaking, others say it's Lady Wisdom. Let's read the verses and then we'll kind of pull it apart and, and figure it out. Starting in verse 22, it says, The Lord brought me forth as the first of His works before His deeds of old. I was formed long ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before He made the world or any or its fields, or any of the dust of the earth. Now, this translation, the New International Version here, that really leads us to believe that 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 wisdom was created, right? In verse 22, it says, The Lord brought me forth. And it says, Twice after that, I was given birth. And if Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom, and we've talked about the fact that he is before then there are some who argue that he must have been created as well. And that's the argument that was made by a monk by the name of Arius way back in about 300 AD. But this is not accurate. There is a huge problem here. And the fundamental error lies in the translation of the Hebrew word kana. The original Hebrew word is kana. And the septuagint, which is the original Greek translation of the Old Testament translates that word kana as created or "birthed." That's why we see that in the New International Version. There is a much more accurate translation of the original Hebrew, and that is to possess, to possess. So the English Standard Version and several other translations as well translate it much differently, and it gives us the the clear picture. It says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work the first of his acts of old can you get the difference see wisdom friends was not created the Lord has possessed wisdom for all eternity for all eternity remember when we studied the attributes of God one of his attributes is wisdom God is eternally wisdom he is wise Besides, if he created wisdom, what was he before he created wisdom? Unwise? That that doesn't even make any sense. God is eternally wise. And of course, of course we know Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, was not created. Arius was wrong. And the council of Nicaea made sure that they dispelled that heresy. Because in John chapter 1, what do we read? In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, that is Jesus. In the beginning it was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Pretty clear. Paul reinforces this in Colossians chapter 1. He says, For by Him, that is Jesus, by Him all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Jesus was not created. No, Jesus is eternal. Jesus is God himself. We clear? Amen. Wisdom goes on to say in verse 27, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day. Rejoicing always in his presence. Rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. And this, we've talked about this before. This is poetry. All these nine chapters, it's it's all poetry. It's just beautiful poetry describing how God the Father used wisdom when creating the cosmos, when creating the heavens and the earth. The bottom line is very simple, and it's clear throughout Scripture. The wisdom of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, they each had a role in creation. Wisdom as kind of the master craftsman, if you will, and Jesus as the creator God. Then in verse 32, we see another appeal. Another appeal. This is Lady Wisdom. She says, Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. You know, wisdom has made her case in the previous verses. Now, once again, she appeals to us. She appeals to us to listen, to listen, to pay attention. We cannot treat this like background noise to be ignored. We have to listen and understand. Why? Why? Because it says in verse 34 and following, blessed are those who, who listen to me, watch daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me, here it is, find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Friends, We are blessed. We are blessed when we listen to wisdom and when we, as it says in verse 32, walk in the way of wisdom. Right? It isn't enough to just listen. What Solomon has been telling us from the very beginning is God desires that we walk. In other words, we live our lives His way according to His will. Staying on that path of wisdom. Why? Because only then do we find life. Life. Abundant life. Life everlasting. And it all starts with what? Fear of the Lord, right? Knowing who God is and understanding our relationship with him. And that means clearly from what we've said here this morning that we must know who Jesus is as well. And we must know why he entered into our world. Jesus came to die for our sins and save us us from eternal damnation. That is absolutely sure. We're all sinners, right? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all are in need of a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross, but he was raised on the third day, friends. He was raised on the third day so that, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, we might walk in newness of life, life. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 that he came that we might have life and have it to the full abundant life a joy-filled life the life that lady wisdom is speaking of here at the end of Proverbs chapter 8 Are you listening? Are you listening to Lady Wisdom? Are you heeding her appeals? Are you focused on the path of wisdom that leads to life, that leads to Jesus? Friend, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, I pray that you would do it today. Don't wait. Don't wait. Do it today. Because in Jesus you will find life. Life for today and life for all eternity. There really is only one option besides that. And we've talked about this throughout the book of Proverbs, right? The path of foolishness. That's the choice the path of foolishness that leads to death. I pray that you would choose that path of wisdom that leads to Jesus, that leads to life. And if you have given your life to Jesus, if you believe on Him as your Lord and Savior today, today we have the opportunity to remember, to remember what Jesus has done for us and recommit to living for Him. Today, we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. And as we prepare for that, I've asked Angie to come up and lead us in a verse and chorus of great is thy faithfulness. God is faithful, friends. God is faithful. He sent his son to die for our sins. And that is what we celebrate here today. Let's stand and sing. God is faithful. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. You can have a seat. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper we're about to celebrate is a feast of remembrance, of communion, and of hope. At the Lord's Supper, we look back and we remember the whole story of salvation, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We also look around, seeing that we're united as the body of Christ, and we look forward to the great banquet at God's kingdom coming. Since by his death, resurrection, and ascension, he has obtained for us the life-giving spirit who unites us all in one body, so we are to receive this supper in brotherly love, mindful of the communion of the saints." The Lord has prepared his table for all who love him and all who trust in him alone for their salvation. All who are truly sorrow for their, sorry for their sins, who sincerely believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and all who desire to live in obedience to him as Lord are now invited to come with gladness to the table of the Lord. As we prepare to celebrate Holy Communion, let us remember that God calls us to examine ourselves. We're taught that eating, eating and drinking unworthily brings judgment upon ourselves. Let us therefore ask God for the proper spirit in which to celebrate the sacraments. Let's pray. Almighty God, before whom can be neither secret, thought, nor hidden deed. Grant us your spirit that we may know our hearts, our lives, and our inmost thoughts as you know them. Grant us your grace that we may repent sincerely of all sin, find peace with you through our Lord Jesus Christ, and grow in assurance of salvation in him. May we each take a moment here to offer a silent prayer of repentance. Lord, hear our prayers. Amen. <clears throat> At his Last Supper, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat and remember. Do this in remembrance of me. I would ask the elders to come forward at this time.
1: Let's start on that <laughs>
0: neglect to mention the fact that the elements are all gluten free so if you have a gluten allergy you should be fine the body of Christ broken for you eat and remember In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Blood of Christ shed for you and the forgiveness of your sins. Drink and remember. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for your Son Jesus Christ, for his willing obedience giving up his body and blood on the cross. Lord, give us assurance that our sins are pardoned through his blood. Let your perfect love drive out every fear. Make us perfect in your love. Fill our minds with your peace and turn our eyes toward heaven where Christ is at your right hand, interceding for us. Enable us to offer up ourselves in service to Christ that we may continue living in the hope of our Savior's coming in glory. Until that day, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.